Thank you, Drew. It's a real privilege and pleasure for me and Laura to be back here in Cincinnati. It's a walk down memory lane. Uh, it's not exactly the first place that I believe that the Lord has taken us back. I believe all the way up in Dayton, uh, but a few months after that, I came back, I came here to Cincinnati uh, to be at UC, where I met Laura, and then we joined the church here in the mid-70s. And uh, most of the, the biggest memories actually when we were married right in this spot um, over 34 years ago. I think we were five years old at the time when we... <laughs> well, today's theme is, uh, as you can see, repentance. And it's uh, one of the themes in our prayer covenant of 777. And Drew has promised me that he didn't choose that one especially for me. Uh, because I need to especially repent necessarily. It was a timing thing, right, Drew? It's a, thank you. But actually, I do uh, love to talk about washing us clean from every sin. I love to talk about sin for two reasons. One is because I only like to preach about things that I'm really good at. <laughs> and secondly, when we talk about sin... That automatically leads us to talking about forgiveness, grace, and cleansing of the Lord Jesus. So let's talk about sin so we can get to the other bits. There's no better passage, I think, to, to address this topic than 1 John 1, 5 to 9. I'm going to have it on the screen, and if you could read it along with me, we'll be enjoying this together. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I remember memorizing that last verse uh, in my dorm room at Calhoun Hall down at UC in 1973. Yes, there were Bibles back then. <laughs> but actually, before I talk about confession, I need to make one. And I know you're all paying attention now. Some years ago, Laura and I were uh, involved in a church, uh, not in this state, but uh, every Sunday, the pastor would lead us in a prayer of confession. It's a great tradition. And so every Sunday, we'd go and I'd wait all week to have this prayer of confession and store up all my sins. And um, the pastor would lead us. And just about the time I got started, he would say, amen. Now, here's my confession. I thought, no, how long is he actually giving us? And... During everybody else's prayer, the pastors would give it. I looked at my watch. I timed how long he gave us for our confession. Nine seconds. Nine seconds. And I said, Pastor, give me a break. You know, if you want me to confess all my sins for the week in nine seconds, I can't even do that for all the sins I committed on the way to church this morning, let alone all week. Now, here's the good news. We're going to give you more than nine seconds a little bit later, to confess your sins, to say to the Lord, cleanse us from every sin. 
Now, confession or cleaning from every sin, I see in the Bible as not just a one-off event, but it's actually a cycle or a process that has three parts. The first is revelation. We're getting, huh, the light bulb comes on. This is what I need to repent of. And then repentance. And then, of course, renewal after our repentance. The Bible calls this bringing forth fruits and keeping with repentance. So to get started, let's all pray a prayer for revelation. Pray this prayer along with me on the screen. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous or offensive or wicked way in me. Now, we just prayed this from Psalm 139, and it's really not for God's benefit. It's for ours. God already knows what's in our heart. We often don't, and so we're praying for revelation. God, show us what is in our own heart. And just as we prayed this, we're going to ask God to answer our prayer. In the next few moments, we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us, lead us into all truth, and show us what sins do we have in our own hearts. So let's expect that. Now, the next step in this revelation process is to figure out what in the world do we need cleansed from? What do we need forgiveness for? Or, in short, what is sin? Now, Christians around the world often disagree of what sin is. Even in this church, I imagine, people disagree about what sin is. But let me give you a little hint on how we can agree that actually crosses all cultures and crosses history in the, of the Christian church, that we can agree on this. First, if the New Testament says, don't do something, and we do it, well, that's sin. Okay? We call that a sin of uh, commission. We've done something. We've committed a sin. Huh. If the New Testament says to do something and we don't do it, that's sin too. We call those sins of omission. We, we, we didn't do what we're supposed to. And also, the, the Bible has several passages that gives a list of really nasty, nasty things. And it ends these lists of nasty things with the phrase, and those who do these things habitually will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, whatever that last phrase means, I, I don't think it's good, so that we, can actually, we could actually call those things in that list, we can call all of those, every one of them, a sin. For example, let's take Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which means ill will toward others or hostility toward others, strife, that's bitter fighting, especially among Christians, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, factions, murder, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This is apparently not a complete list. 
I warn you, it continues, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Maybe you're thinking after I read this, oh, great, Uh, that's not for me. I I don't habitually commit murder, sorcery, or orgies, or idolatry, so that list doesn't pertain to me. Well, uh, let's take a look at some of the less obvious or less spectacular ones in that list. How about jealousy, envy, fits of anger, ill will toward others, strife, bitter fighting, rivalries. How about divisions or factions in the church? Think about this. If you find yourself using the words us and them when you're describing groups within a church, there's a really good chance that you are in a faction. Are we having fun yet? Well, good. We're going to have more fun or we're going to get more light in just a second. For example, let's take some of the Bible commands that have the phrases one another and each other in them. These are commands from God to all of us as believers that we will do or don't do to all other believers. These are commands straight from God, not from me. Some examples are do not judge one another. Do not lie to each other. Do not grumble to each other. Do not speak evil of each other, and so on. These are sort of the negative ones. Don't do. Then there are the positive ones like love one another, honor one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, and live in harmony with one another. Remember, when we don't do these things to other people, we are actually sinning against the God who gave these commands to us. These are sins of commission and omission. And if you ever wonder what a sin of omission is, think of James 4.17. makes it crystal clear. It just says this. To the person who knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him or her, that is sin. It's right there. James 4.17. Are we having fun yet? Okay, we're going to have more fun now. In addition to these one another verses that we're supposed to do to each other all the time, there are specific commands that God gives to specific kinds of people in specific categories. And he gives us these commands because we tend not to do them or we tend to do the wrong thing in our category. Listen as I give you an edited and paraphrased list, by the way, of categories of commands to us And I think you're going to find yourself in at least one, maybe several of these. So listen carefully for revelation. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Children, honor and obey your parents. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, and our list is much longer, Cherish your wives and give yourselves up for them as Christ gave himself up for the church. Don't be harsh or embittered against them and proactively try to understand them. (laughs) Okay, there is one command in the Bible that's really, really hard to obey. We're supposed to try to understand them. Live with them according to understanding is the verse. Okay, young men. 
be self-controlled. Older men, be self-controlled. And sober-minded, and dignified, and sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. Now, ladies, don't blame me, but the Bible breaks you into two categories. Younger and older. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it up to your conscience. <laughs> so here they are. Younger women, be self-controlled, pure, and kind. Older women, and I really don't see any in here, but... <laughs> don't be slanderers. but be reverent and train the younger women. Employers, God speaks to you. Treat your employees as you would the Lord and do not threaten them. Employees, work for men as you would work for the Lord with a sincere heart and not just with external obedience. Church members, submit to and obey your leaders so that it will be a joy and not a burden for them to lead you. Last but not least, church leaders, feed, guide, and protect your flock. Don't do it with a motive of gain. Do it willingly and eagerly and be examples. Are we having fun yet? That's the last time I'll ask that question, by the way. Well, I think we've got a good handle on what sin is and what we are asking God to cleanse us from today. So let's move on to repentance. Will you pray this prayer with me that's on the screen from Psalm 51? Against you I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. In the, in the Bible, I see that repentance is actually composed of three parts, or three ways, you could call it. The first one is confession. Now, what is confession? I, I think it's very simple. It just means speaking the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to God. It's not that he doesn't know that. He already knows what's in our heart, but... Confession is, I admit, God, I did this, and I did that, or I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. And this is for our own good. Now, let me give you some practical advice here when you make a confession to God. After you've gotten revelation about your sin, like we've gotten in the last few minutes, and you're ready to confess, use as much as possible Bible words in your confession to God. Don't use what English teachers call euphemisms. Now, I looked up the word euphemism in the dictionary this week, and it says this. A euphemism is substituting a mild, indirect, or vague term for a word that is considered harsh, blunt, or offensive. That's a euphemism. Well, of course, words for sin in the Bible are harsh, blunt, and offensive. Our sins to God are harsh, blunt, and offensive. In fact, our sins are so harsh, blunt, and offensive that 
They put them on the cross. Jesus died for our harsh, blunt, and offensive sins. He didn't die for our euphemisms. He didn't die for the mild, indirect, or vague terms that we use to soften the sound of our sin. So, here's a tip. When you confess your sin to God, don't pray something like this. Oh, Lord, forgive and cleanse me from exaggeration. Pray this to walk in the light. Lord, forgive me for the sins of lying and deceiving. Don't pray, Lord, forgive and cleanse me from having eyes that stray. Pray this, Lord, forgive me for the sin of committing adultery in my heart. Don't pray, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me from sharing news inappropriately with others. Pray this, Lord, forgive me for the sin of gossip, the sin of slander, and even worse than that, trying to deceive others by disguising my gossip and my slander as a prayer request. <laughs> Let's walk in the light. The more starkly and accurately we confess our sins, the more we walk in the light. And the more we confess our sins, the more grace we receive, and the more we are forgiven. And even as was just sung here a few minutes ago, the more we are forgiven, actually the more we love Jesus. Didn't he say, he who has been forgiven little, loves little, but he who has been forgiven much, loves much. That's confession. Now the third, or the second way in our three way of repentance is contrition. Now that's an old sounding word. Uh, we prayed that we have a contrite heart. What, is, what does that mean? It simply means being really seriously sorry for our sin. But the Bible talks about two kinds of sorrow. One is called worldly sorrow. That leads to death. And that's like just being sorry that you got caught. Or being sorry that you have to pay the consequences for your sin, either materially or relationally. I'm really sorry I did that. Well, guess what? We're all sorry you did that. That's not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. It leads to being honest about our sin, and it leads to wanting to bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance, and it leads to a commitment to change. You've heard of people who say, I did that, and I'm really sorry, crocodile tears, but you're waiting, what? Any change? Is it going to happen? God waits for that in us too. So, biblical repentance is a three-way process of confession, contrition, and a commitment to change. Repentance simply isn't repentance if you leave one of these elements out of this three-way of repentance. Now, the words three-way remind me of something else. <laughs> and I'm just sad I can't preach this sermon anywhere else but Cincinnati. Now, by definition, a three-way has got spaghetti, chili, and cheese, right? It's not a, a three-way if you leave any of those out. And our, confession, or our repentance is not repentance if we leave out our confession 
or our contrition or our commitment to change. Without the spaghetti of confession and the chili of contrition and the cheese topping of a commitment to change, you don't have a complete three-way <laughs> of repentance. It's unthinkable, isn't it? Now, are you hungry to repent? <laughs> or are you just hungry? <laughs> All right, the last stop on our cycle of transformation is renewal. We have one more prayer. Please pray this with me from the screen. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 teaches us this principle of renewal. He uses terms like putting off the old man or old woman and putting on the new man and the new woman. And he gives some examples, and I'm going to reword those a little bit by asking you a couple questions. When do you know that a liar has a liar? has truly repented and been transformed. He's a liar? How do you know he's transformed? Is it when he just stops lying? No. It's when he becomes a truth teller. And it's when you can actually trust what he says. That's the cycle of transformation and true repentance. How about a thief? How do you know when a thief is truly repented and been transformed? Is it just when he stops stealing? No. It's when he becomes a producer and a giver rather than a taker. When do you know that a grumbler or a gossip or a slanderer has truly repented and truly been transformed? Is it when she stops saying bad things about people, just doesn't say anything anymore? No. She's totally transformed when she gets a reputation for being an encourager and one whose speech gives grace to those who hear. A man named Zacchaeus was a Jewish tax collector. He was short in stature but long in greed and corruption. You know the story. One day he heard that Jesus was coming by and he was so short that he climbed up in a tree so he could see over the crowds and see Jesus. Jesus saw him in the tree, said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm having lunch at your house. I'm inviting myself over. Now, Zacchaeus was just thrilled about that, and he was actually honored. This, this priest, this teacher is coming by. He's going to have lunch at my house. But outside, ooh, the real sinners were grumbling, oh, Jesus is, is having lunch with this tax collector, this sinner, grumbling about Jesus. Well, the next thing we know in the, in the passage, we see Zacchaeus standing up from the table and saying, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor, and I'm going to give back four times whatever I've stolen from anybody. Whoa, what happened? Somewhere between the soup and the dessert, Zacchaeus got revelation from Jesus, and he feasted on the three-way of repentance. And this was because Zacchaeus was secure in Jesus' grace and in Jesus' love for sinners. It was a safe place to have lunch and to have the feast of a three-way of repentance with Jesus. And 
Jesus, as his promise, and as we read in 1 John, was faithful to forgive Zacchaeus' sins and to cleanse him from all unrighteousness. Remember, Jesus has no patience with those who think they're righteous or who say they have no sin. But he has all the patience and the grace in the world for those who humble themselves and admit their sins and walk in the light. You remember at the Last Supper when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and Peter says, Lord, hold on a second. Not just my feet. (laughs) I'm dirty all over. Wash my hands. Wash my head. Which is what we're praying today. Cleanse us from all our sin. So, our cycle is this. As we ask to be, to pray for God to cleanse us from every sin, we need revelation of our sin. We need to feast on the three-way of repentance, and then we move to renewal, that is, changing our behavior. But let me give you a warning here. Some of you will say, oh, wow, I've got revelation. Uh, I know I'm doing this wrong, so I'm just going to start doing the right things. You're going to jump from revelation to renewal. Don't do that. That is nothing more than moralism or legalism or humanistic self-help. The gospel is you get revelation, then you feast with Jesus on the, with the three-way of repentance experience his grace his forgiveness his shining light into the darkness of your heart he cleanses you and out of that then and out of that motive of love for him you bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance and you move to renewal all right we're going to give you an opportunity now and it's going to be more than nine seconds to hear the word and let the holy spirit speak to you he's the one who convicts of sin and righteousness and judgments not a preacher and to do that I'm going to read some more verses from God's word that are these one another verses again I want to emphasize that by not obeying these one another verses to each other we're actually sinning against our heavenly father because he is grieved He's offended when we sin against his other children. So as I read these, silently listen to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit gives you any conviction, silently confess that. And when I'm finished here and Drew gives you a little bit more time, Drew will come up. Be at peace with one another. Love one another in the same way Jesus has loved us. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Do not judge one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Put up with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. 
Submit to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another. Build up each other. Don't speak evil of one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your faults to one another. Encourage each other. Pray for one another. Continue in the posture of, of prayer. Be reminded that indeed God is a safe place to come with our brokenness, our sin, with our disobedience, with our selfishness, with our, our commitments that are formed more by the world than by His Word by a character derived from the, the ways of our own culture instead of the character of Jesus. It's a safe place to come and agree with God together. As those different items have come to your mind, bring them to the foot of the cross and leave them there. Experience the scandal of grace. That you agree with God of your sin and you receive in turn from Him His forgiveness and grace, His mercy, His love, His Holy Spirit, the power within you to go and sin no more. Receive that scandal of grace, that amazing grace, that, that love that is unconditional. An affection from our Heavenly Father that is unbound. Receive from him as you feast on the three way of repentance there is no sin or collection of them that is too great that is beyond God's mercy so as great and as deep as you have gone recognizing your sin and disobedience, God's grace has gone further still. 
be renewed in the power of God's love for you. Amen.